right, let's open our Bibles, please, to Jonah, the book of Jonah. We're going to begin in chapter 4. We're going to begin reading in verse 4. And we're going to read uh, through the end of the chapter, verse 11. Jonah chapter 4, and verse 4. And shall we stand please for the reading of God's Word. Jonah chapter 4, and verse 4. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it to grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. And if you look back, let's, uh, I'm going to read verse 1 for you, chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. So the text in the title, we find this in uh, verse 4 and uh, also verse 9. Doest thou well to be angry? And uh, he said, I do well to be angry. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the message. Help us as we deal with anger. Help us to understand uh, it's a very powerful thing. It's a controlling thing. Give us wisdom to understand it and where it originates that we could steward over it and temper it. We yield your spirit that he would reveal these things to us. We pray that it would have an impact on our life and make us more like Christ. And we pray that your spirit would help us to preach and to hear the word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Uh, I think this applies to everyone. This really has helped me. I, I, it'll really help you if you listen. Um, everyone has to deal with anger. And if you don't deal with anger, then you're not much alive. Uh, especially in the times where they tell you you got to wear a diaper on your face stay in your house for a year and a half, uh, control your whole life, the price of gas, all this stuff that's going on. Uh, there's a lot of anger issues out there. We all deal with it. And uh, we live in a time of rage. There's a lot of road rage. 
There's a lot of unwarranted anger. People are very mad. Uh, we need to know why. That, that's what we want to look at today. Uh, this really summarized Jonah's life. I, I've never realized this until recently. Jonah was a very angry man. He was a very angry prophet. And, but God knew why, and God used this to teach him and to teach us um, a great lesson. So we all have anger issues. You might know somebody that's angry. You might know somebody that can't control their temper. Uh, we need to learn to deal with this. Now, this is taken from the root word rival. If you know what a rivalry is, say in sports, uh, say like the Dallas Cowboys have a great rivalry within the old days, maybe the 49ers or maybe the, the Steelers. That was about 30 years ago. Sad. Uh, but, you know, divisional rivalries, things like that. We can relate to that. Uh, some people have uh, rivalries in their own marriage. A husband and a wife are always against each other. They're a rival. Sometimes it's siblings. Brothers and sisters can't get along with uh, each other. And we see national rivalries. This is what's going on with the Russian inv invasion of Ukraine uh, versus Germany different rivalries nationally that have gone on for years and years, even uh, thousands of years. So we can all relate to this. Now, most of us limit the story of Jonah getting swallowed by the great fish only to that. But I want to look at what caused this to happen and look at it from that aspect of what originated Jonah to, what caused him to disobey God. He was supposed to go to Nineveh, which was a 550-mile journey. He went the opposite way to Tarshish, which was a 2,500-mile journey. What caused him to do that? So, when you think about the Old Testament Jew, they were racist. They were racist. They were not compassionate soul winners like we are, hopefully, in the Gentile church age trying to win all people to Christ. They had the true living God. According to Romans 9, all the great things from God came through Israel. And they were prophets of the law. And they were all about Israel, and they were all about pronouncing judgment on all the heathen nations that persecuted Israel. And so their message most of the time was doom and gloom. Most of the time was the judgment of God. Uh, there were many great prophecies of the kingdom age, which Brother James just read, uh, in other places of the Bible. But largely, God was going to judge those who violated the Abrahamic covenant. So Nineveh was in Assyria, which was worthy of all fiery judgment. There was this animosity that had built up for years and years between Israel and Assyria, and they were rivals. They didn't like each other. They didn't get along with each other. They would never accept each other. And there was always this 
competition, if you will, between the, the two nations. And at this time, Nineveh was one of the greatest cities on earth. Had 120,000 in population. The Bible says there was three days journey. That didn't mean it took three days to get there. It took three days of walking to get through the city. That's how big this city was in that day and age. And it was idolatrous. It was evil, very powerful, controlled the economy of the world at that time. They were conquerors and invaders, and they persecuted the true people of God. So Jonah knew how wicked they were. He did not want them to be saved. He didn't want them to be forgiven. He was a racist. You could call him a bigot. He wanted God to judge the Assyrians, but he knew. Our God is a merciful, compassionate God. And He knew, if I obeyed God and I go preach to them, and if they repent, God will forgive them and they won't get judged. And I want them to get judged. So rather than going and doing what God's telling me to do, He was angry with the Assyrians. He went the other way, got on a boat to uh, Tarshish. So, this is the setting of the context of what took place and caused Jonah to get swallowed by the great fish. So, if you think about Nineveh, according to Genesis 10-11, Asher left that land, the Bible says, he built Nineveh, and also Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord was there, this is where uh, tradition says Semiramis, his wife, was there. The Tower of Babel came from this general area in the Fertile Crescent, as it's called. But this Nineveh, established by Asher, was one of the most powerful places on earth, the Assyrian Empire. This is where King Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came invaded Israel from this place when Hezekiah was king, all recorded in the book of Isaiah. And so the book of uh, Nahum pronounces judgment on Nineveh. The book of Zephaniah pronounces utter judgment and waste on Nineveh. And we know what happens. God forgives Nineveh. He heals the land. He lets them live. They repent. Later on, they turn on God. He utterly wipes the place out. Judgment does fall later on. Now, why does this all happen in this whole story? What caused it to happen? Jonah is a very angry man. He got mad all the time. He couldn't control his temper. So you, you see in this story the great truths. God's dealing with the nations that persecute Israel. God's dealings with His servants. You see this controversy between the nations, which is in our current events today. You see the battle in the heart of man, in every man's heart, against God, with the rivals, and these own fightings within ourselves. So we know the story. I'll just review it with an overview. 
God commands him to go preach and warn of judgment. If they repent, he will forgive them. If they do not, he will utterly destroy them. So Jonah is a very angry man. He loses this battle in his heart. Rather than surrendering his will to the will of God, just going and preaching what God commanded him to do, he's so angry at the Assyrians, he doesn't like them. He has a rival. You know, this would be like, if you're a Cowboys fan, I hate to use these illustrations, but some of us can relate. This would be like going to the Philadelphia Eagles and saying, I wish you well, I hope you win the Super Bowl this year. That's what this would be like in a rivalry. This would be like, I hope China conquers the whole world or Russia conquers the whole world and America becomes a third world country. This is a rivalry of epic proportions. Jonah is angry about this. So, what does he do? Rather than humble himself, obey God, he obeys his anger. It flares up. He said, I'm not doing what God told me to do. I want them to be judged from uh, hellfire. I hope it happens. So, he gets in a boat takes off for Tarshish, 2,500-mile journey, and the Lord brings a storm. We know what happens. God made the winds roll, and, and the waves begin to roll. The boat was going to capsize. The sailors were toiling and rowing, and they had some discernment. They said, this is somebody's fault. Now, they didn't believe in God the way they should, but they knew God. They said, "Something, somebody's making this happen. This is a curse. Jonah admits, this is my fault. I was supposed to go preach to the Ninevites. I wouldn't do it. I don't like them. They make me angry. I want them to be judged. But if you'll throw me overboard, God will have mercy on you, and he'll make the storm reside, and you'll live. So they even keep trying to fight the waves and the wind for a while. Finally, they realize this is hopeless. If we don't throw him overboard, we're all going to die, and it's better him than us. So they throw him overboard. God prepares a great fish to swallow him. Amazing deep truths uh, are in this passage. The Bible says that there are many gates to hell. One of them is in the deepest part of the sea, this Fish swims down. Jonah sees the gates of hell, the bars on the gates of the pit. God allows him to see this. He understands in some way uh, that he's a prophet, and Jesus said there's only one sign that you'd know that he is the Messiah. What is it? The sign of the prophet, Jonas. As Jonah was in the well's belly for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. So he sees the bars of the pit. He understands true judgment and men are already there burning, waiting on judgment at the great white throne. Many, many untold souls will go and uh, be punished there. But when he repents, God speaks to the fish. He regurgitates him. And he decides to do what the Bible says, keep his vow. Now, remember, Jonah had made a vow to a Jew, a votive offering. 
made you obligated that if you didn't keep your word, you would lose your salvation because there was an element of works with the faith. He had made a vow to preach the word and follow the call of God, apparently, whatever God told him to do. And so he broke the vow by not going to Nineveh. So he says, I will keep and pay my vow. Even though I don't want them to be saved, I want them to be judged. They are my bitter rivalry, my enemy. I will go give Nineveh a chance to be saved. So, he obeys God. Now, after he does this, it says he gives thanksgiving. He keeps his vow. He offers the sacrifice and does what he made an agreement to do. Now, when you really boil this down, there, what pervades the whole book of Jonah is anger. To be honest, I've never really seen this before to this degree. This applies to all of us, so I'd, I'd ask that you listen very carefully. When you think about the anger issue, or that person has anger problems. They can't control their temper. So the Assyrians are angry at Israel because they're the chosen people of God. They're angry at the God of Israel, the one true God. They have anger issues. And they invade and they, they just rape and pillage and plunder and steal and uh, just do whatever they want. They've got real anger problems. Then you have God who's angry with the Assyrians and he's the only one who ever has the right to be anger out of righteous indignation. So God is angry at the Assyrians. And then you have Jonah is angry at the Assyrians for being angry at God and God's people Israel. And really Jonah, it just he's angry at everything. Jonah's angry at life. He, he just an angry, angry man. When he heard this, he was very angry. He didn't like it. So, when you look at what happened, the Ninevites repent. God now is no longer angry. Jonah gets very angry because he takes it personal. So this word anger, we ought to know what it means and what causes it because we all deal with it. And I'm telling you, you have to be very careful these days. You know, I heard a story about somebody, uh, it's a distant knowledge, somebody in Houston, somebody cut them off, almost caused a wreck. All they did is honk at them. That's all they did. That person was so full of anger, they pulled up beside them, unloaded their nine millimeter through the door. This is happening all over America and the world. People are full of hate. They're full of anger. You know, it rises up and they can't control it. You know, it happened to me. I was at Home Depot trying to return some wood, which is one of my favorite things to do, wait in the return line. And this guy blew up, man. I mean, there was a guy blew up. I won't tell you what he did. Just full of hate. Absolute full of You have to be very careful these days in which we live. But the word anger, it means to glow, to, to light up, to blaze up, to wax hot, and to become incense, like you light an incense and the smoke goes up and the heat and the fire. It means literally to burn up. 
and it means to incite passion. Now, when you look at it deeper, it means the factitious root of heated rivalry. So what causes anger? A rival. If you have no rivals, you have no anger. But if you have rivals, you're going to get mad. If you set up a rival in your own mind, in your spirit, now you have created an environment in your heart and in your spirit for anger to develop. So, you know what the word means, really, when you study it? To vie with a rival. I'm going to fight my adversary. I will vie with the rival. I'm, you know, the greatest rivalries in the history of sport. The greatest nations who are against one another. You know, if you study, uh, Japan and China have been rivals for a long time. India and China have been rivals for a long time. Germany and Russia have been rivals for a long time. England and France have been rivals for a long time. Uh, Venezuela and Honduras, or is it Colombia? They don't like each other. There are rivals. Now, a rival then necessitates a personal agenda of pride. Because I take this personally, I set up the rival, you are my competition, if you will, and you're my enemy, and so whatever you do, I have created a space, a room to get angry. And I have a way, whatever, whatever it is, you set me off, I've got a chip on my shoulder, this is a spark on a dry prairie land, there, this is a powder keg that could blow up any second. Why? Rivalry. So when you think about that anger flaring up, the racist Jew, prophet Jonah, sought judgment on Nineveh. He knew God was a forgiving, loving God. He says, I don't want to go give them a chance to get right. I hope it happens. You know, you've ever said, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy? Well, Jonah wouldn't live it. He wished the worst on his worst enemy. He wanted judgment to fall. So, He's angry at Nineveh, runs from God, gets mad at God, feels sorry for himself. So you see, this grows and expands. So now he's not just mad at Nineveh, he's mad at God for forgiving Nineveh, and then he gets mad at life. He doesn't even like the weather. You know, have you seen how this works? One thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. Now you have a spirit of anger, and the Bible says, with an angry man thou shalt not go. Go from the presence of an angry man. That's kind of hard to do for you certain situation. So, he goes out of the city wanting to die. He's so mad he wants to die. He sits down and he says, I'm going to see what will become of the city. He's hoping that like hellfire and fire and brimstone will fall like on Sodom. Nothing happens. He gets more steamed and more hot. Now he builds an arbor over himself. The sun is blazing hot. 
and God teaches him a lesson. He speaks the word and this gourd grows above his head that gives him some shade because now the wind's drier and hotter and the sun's just blazing. And it says he's happy for the gourd now because gave him a little respite from the weather. And then God speaks and sends a worm and eats the gourd and it shrivels up. And now Jonah's fiery hot, really mad. So he's mad at a worm who ate a gourd that didn't block the sun because he was hot from the wind because the people he had a rivalry against didn't get judged. And then he was mad at God. So the anger, this word, it means nostrils. You ever seen somebody when their nose gets big? I said, I said, your nose is getting big. You're flaring them nostrils. It starts getting the mad. It's rising up. And it means to breathe hard. Just like a horse running into battle. And then it means emotion and a feeling of hostility. So now you don't even know why, but you want to do something hostile. Violence fills your heart. You know, you may say something you wouldn't have said. You may do something you wouldn't have done. You know, I've never understood people that throw and break glass and dishes when they get mad. You have to pick it up. It's pretty stupid. You, you uh, vandalize your own property. And now you got to clean it up and you lost all your money. Where's the wisdom of that? But people do these things all the time. So then when you act in the anger, the Bible calls it wrath. And the wrath of man does what? Worketh not the righteousness of God. You'll never be righteous when you act out violently in anger. Why do you have anger? You picked a rival. You said, you're my enemy. I'm against you. Whatever you do, I will allow you to start blazing up inside of me that I'm going to feel something violent. So, wrath is the anger excited in a violent way. It's really amazing. So, I want to make uh, some statements here and uh, reach conclusions. And I think this is very helpful. Really helps me. You know, we, we all have to deal with anger. And if you're not angry, there's something wrong with you. You ought to get angry. I'm not saying to be a a dead robot, you ought to get angry. But you ought to know why, and you ought to know how to temper it. All right, so statement number one, man is created in the image of God. We know this according to Genesis, the book of beginnings. So, number two, God gets angry. So if we're created in the image of God, God gets angry, you're going to get angry. It's nothing wrong with it. It's natural, but you have to do it in the right way. You can't be full of pride and uh, ego and lift it up and let it burn and consume like incense and get out of control. So, number three, and I've said this, but I really want to emphasize this. The root cause of anger is a rival. A rival. So, whoever you set up to be your opposition is your rival. 
You allow a rival in your own mind, in your own spirit, by your own volition of free will. You choose your rivals. Have you ever noticed that a lot of people are meanest to the people they love the most? I've seen it my whole life. Well, the people they claim to love the most. They'll be nice to a total stranger. Go home and just rail on somebody they live. Just rail on the ones they live with. Why? Because those strangers aren't the rival. This person's the rival. I set up a rival in my own family or even my own marriage or my brothers and sisters. Or it could be where you work. You know, if you set up a rival at your place of employment, you're going to get mad. Because I'll guarantee you they're not going to do what they're supposed to. And if you set up a rival in uh, the drive through line of a fast food restaurant, you're going to get mad. The quality of these microphone speaker systems these days. Uh, I said that already four times, and I know you're going to put mustard when I said mayonnaise anyways. What's the point? I'm not at rival with the fast food person who doesn't even care about life. They're going to get it wrong. Don't worry. Don't, they're going to get it wrong. Would you like some special sauce with that? <clears throat> you know, it just runs. Uh, I didn't. Anyway, go easy on that stuff. Whatever. They're going to get it wrong. You do know if you don't ask for salt and pepper, ketchup, and a straw and napkins, they're not going to put it in there, right? When I grew up, it was they're just supposed to do it. You drive off. Well, what is this? If you set up the rivalry, you're going to get mad. You're going to get mad. So, the rivalry um, is set up by us. I choose who my rival is. You choose who your rival is. Some of you may think I'm your rival. I'm not. I love you. I'm your friend. I care for you. I've seen a lot of people just pick people to be a rival. They don't even know why. So they picked them for a rival and they get mad at everything and then it spreads and now they're mad at everybody and everything. So, statement number four. I hope you get this. Anger is not personal. It is an existing spirit because you're created in the image of God. It's not personal. Anger that flares up has nothing to do with me. I'm creating the image of God. So I have to not set up rivals to feed that. It's like pouring gas on the fire. They sparked it to start it, then they threw some gas. It's not personal. So... That means, number five, anger is natural, but it must be tempered. So according to Galatians 5, one of the fruit of the Spirit is what? Temperance. Self-control. You press it down when it rises up. When it flares up, you snuff it out. When it starts to burn hot, you put some water on it and let it dissipate. You are in control. So, how do we make the practical application of this? Jonah didn't do this. He sh if he'd have done it at the first, he'd have solved himself a lot of trouble. But we know that this was the sovereign will of God. So how do we deal with this? Number one, we must recognize the root cause of anger. 
The root cause of anger isn't somebody made you mad. It is not that your fellow employee doesn't do their job right, or the government, or your brother and sister who don't share, or whatever it is, or the traffic jam. That is not the source of your anger. What is the source of your anger? It is the rivalry that you chose to set up. You chose to say, traffic is my rivalry. Traffic. The government is my rivalry. Or my fellow employees is my rivalry. Or that corporation is my rivalry. Or that nation is my rivalry. Or that football team is my rivalry. Or the weather. Or if things just don't go your way, that's your rivalry. This is where most people get it. Well, it didn't go my way. I'm really mad. You better look out. My, no it's, my nose is getting big. You better look out. Don't look at me wrong. It's flaring up. Now, why does that happen? Because you made a decision that your peace and calmness of your heart is dependent on what happens. So if it doesn't happen the way you want it, look out, man. I'm getting hot. And I'm going to take it out on somebody. The one I love the most. <laughs> no, I'm joking. You know how it works. So it's not personal. So what do we have to do? It's spiritual opposition. We're creating the image of God. God gave us free will to steward, to be a wise manager, to suppress it when it rises. So anger rises up, we've got to push it down. The fire flames up, we've got to put water on it to dissipate it. But So what does that mean, number two? It's very simple. We have to repent of rivalries. I have to personally remove rivalries from my life. Because if you don't, that's where anger starts, and it's going to happen whether you want it to or not. So let's just think, you know, be honest. Do you have anybody that you're a rivalry to, or they are your rivalry? You know, your wife, your husband. It's very quiet in here. Your brother, your sister, your co-worker, your superior on the job, some guy's got a bad attitude and he's always smart aleck and he doesn't deserve the position, but he wormed his way in there. He's a snake. You know what I'm talking about. So, somebody uh, who doesn't know how to drive. You know, when I was a kid, you'd get a ticket if you didn't come to a complete stop at a, red, at a, at a stop sign. It burns me up if I let it. Hey, I wish I was a policeman. I'd give you a ticket right now. I come to a complete stop. And did you know when you take a turn, you can't go into the far lane, you have to take the close lane, or you're breaking the law? Did you know that you have to use your blinker? I mean, they break all the basic traffic laws. What are you, what am I, am I supposed to let them ruin my day and get be a hothead? Because look what they do. I know what all. I know a guy that saw somebody speeding and he pulled his gun 
And he says, I'm going to give them a citizen arrest and chase them on a high-speed chase. They ended up running through a couple fences, and he was so angry because this person didn't obey the traffic laws. You know, my freedom's more worth more than that. I'm not going to let a bad driver, yeah, it'll make you mad. So here's what happened. It'll, and then you go, oh, that's anger. But if you set it up, that guy's a jerk. That's my enemy. Just to, the fire grows. And then you're going to do something stupid. It's going to flare up. It's normal and natural if you're alive. What do you do? Push it down. How do you do that? Wisdom and free will yielding to the Holy Spirit. But, so what's the real conclusion? The battle is the Lord's. The battle's the Lord. I don't want any rivals. The Bible even says if you're right with God, even your enemies will be at peace with you. I don't want any unnecessary controversy. Now, you ought to have righteous indignation. You ought to hate sin and fight it and get mad. But you shouldn't set up a rivalry like a lot of people do. And here's something like they'll do. I don't like my sister or my brother. I'm already set them up. I'm just waiting for them to do something I don't like. They're going to make me mad, and I'm just going to let it go. You know, I have, that's, that's what family reunions are for, or not to go to. Uh, because some people, they, they haven't forgotten something 30 years ago. They can't let it go. So, this is an ongoing process of learning the origin Recognizing it, flaring it up, it's normal, natural, suppress it, put it down. So, if we give access, set up a rival, think about it, to a person, people do this. I know it. Through all my counseling, I've seen it happen. That's that person, I'm going to make, that's my rival. We don't get along, we don't like each other. They're going to do something. It's going to make me mad. I'm going to go with it because I like this. Jonah was a very angry. He was very angry. And God says, doest thou well to be angry? Oh, very well. Even unto death. He said, I don't care if I die. I like this so much. Weird, isn't it? His hatred turned into a way of life. So some people have a relationship that's their rival. It's a weird thing to me. They'll set up a cousin rivalry, an aunt rivalry. I see it happen all the time. An in-law rivalry, a sibling rivalry, a co-worker rivalry. You know what I'm talking about. Um, some people set up a weather rivalry. So depressing, it's gloomy and the sun's not out. Who can I get mad at? They do it all the time. It's rained for three weeks. This is so depressing. I'm going to get mad at somebody. So, or, you know, the government. Just, you know, we know what's going on. We don't agree with a lot of it. What can you do? You're going to be hateful all the time and let them stir you up all the time? Or your place of employment. You know, when, you, when this first started and you go buy gas and there was that sticker, I did that. How many brother? I don't know, somebody took them off. I did that. Then he's laughing. 
It ought to make you mad. I think gas is way up, like in California, in Liberalville, way up. I was, I was at a place day before yesterday. Poor guy working on probably minimum wage. This is what he told me. He says, I was trying to get to work. I have an old pickup. I'm barely getting by. I put 25 bucks in my truck. Didn't even come close to a quarter tank. And this guy's struggling. You know, has a family, barely getting by, and he goes, man, I just saw it coming up. He goes, do you know that they could stop this by reopening the Keystone Pipeline and opening up all the drilling, and there's enough oil in Alaska to last hundreds of years, and they won't even do it? And he goes, man, I said, calm it down, man. Back off, buddy. Back her up. Back it up. I'm not your rival. I didn't make this. You know, I didn't make it where we're buying Russian oil to finance the war. It's not me. I didn't do it. it, it it'll make you really mad if you know what's going on. If you have any intelligence to know what they're doing. But do you set that up? So you could have a coach. I, you know, the owner of a team ruined the team for 30 years. The coach. The, the offensive coordinator, the deep, the, the one player, the, that inner, that division rivalry. You know, look out. You know, there's, there's people, and I'm through. Like, if, if you're a Steeler fan and you're waving that stupid yellow towel and somebody comes into a restaurant and they got on a Cleveland Browns journey, they want to fight them. Literally want to fight him. Out of nowhere, it made him so mad that that's an interdivision rivalry. Now, we as the ch children of God ought to be above that. You know, you don't like, you hate your division. We all know that. In a right way. Right? In a right balanced way. But Jonah was very angry, couldn't control it, went the wrong way, got swallowed by the fish, went down to hell, repented, finally obeyed God and got mad, and then he was so mad, he wanted to die. So, all we've got to do, recognize the origin. What is it? The root of a rivalry. Number two, do not set up rivalries. Number three, anger's natural. When it flares up, put some water on it. How do you put out a fire? Put it out. Don't throw grease. Put a blanket. Put some water. Snuff it out. So, doest thou well to be angry? Oh, very angry. Even unto death. What an answer to God. And so God says, You're, you have compassion on a gourd. Why can't I have compassion on 120,000 souls in Nineveh? And isn't it weird how it abruptly ends with that? They don't know the right hand or their left. I'm trying to save them, give them a chance. And you're more worried about a gourd than 120,000 souls. Wow. So, and it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. All right, let's pray. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. You know, this, this is something we all have to deal with. Let's face reality.